Hey, top of the morning to you. My name is Mike. I'm your host. It's Saturday morning, June 18th. Can you believe it? We're, we're I mean, next week it's pretty much done. We're, we're already in July. You know, around the, uh, around the fort here, I'm in Fort Smith, Arkansas, in case you didn't know, we see the fireworks tents going up. And I know, I, you know, when I was younger, I loved the fireworks, loved to go out there and, you know, try to get my parents to take me to the fireworks. I mean, we'd, we'd go, you know, get some fireworks and things, shoot them off in the backyard. It was a very special time in my life. <laughs> but uh, now that I'm old and cranky, I get tired of hearing him pop, 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 you know, for the next couple of weeks. Pop, 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 pop. Now, the, 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 the fireworks shoot off in the night sky. That's that's pretty cool. You know, but the kids, parents, they, they let their kids go out in the street. Yeah, you get it. I'm just showing my age, aren't I? <laughs> Anyways, 4th of July is coming up, Independence Day. Now, before that, though, it's Father's Day tomorrow. Father's Day will be tomorrow. Big plans for Father's Day? Well, I will tell you. Uh, you're watching the pre-recorded, and you're listening to, obviously, the pre-recorded FBTV Saturday Morning Podcast, which quite often we will live stream on YouTube. Yeah, you can watch the video as, uh, well, during the live stream. We usually do that every Saturday morning, 9 a.m., but as you can tell, this is the video. Now, we released it at 9 a.m. Saturday morning, so you still have access to it, but I am at the lake. Took the camper and went to the lake for Father's Day weekend. And hopefully I have a good time. I know it's going to be hot, but it is what it is. So, got a lot of things to talk about today. It's Saturday, June 18th. It's Q&A day. Every Saturday, it's Q&A day here on the podcast, the FBTV video podcast, FBTV podcast. We do the podcast every Wednesday and Saturday. Saturday mornings, though, are reserved for Q&As. Your questions are answers, and we got some pretty good questions today. And we always have good questions, but uh, if you'd like to submit a question, you can do so by emailing it to me at fbtv at freightbrokertv.com. We have contact forms on our website, and don't forget uh, Skype, FBTV. Just do a search. You'll find us on your Skype app. We're going to get right to it today because this is kind of important, and uh, this also sort of relates to a question that Davis has uh, proposed. But anyway, C.H. Uh, Robinson is telling the U.S. Supreme Court that the U.S. Solicitor General has it all wrong regarding whether brokers can be held liable for an incident involving one of their contracted motor carriers. Now, what's going on here, the U.S. Solicitor General is uh, telling the Supreme Court to avoid the broker negligence case with C.H. With, uh, Robinson uh, and another fellow named Alan Miller. In May, the U.S. Solicitor General told the nation's highest court that it should deny C.H. Robinson's petition to hear its case regarding claims of negligence liability. If the, uh, the, if the Supreme Court passes on hearing the case, that would allow the U.S. Circuit Court for the Ninth Circuit, and we're all familiar with the Ninth Circuit. Anyway, it would allow for uh, their ruling against C.H. Robinson to stand. Arguments over federal preemption stem from a lawsuit filed back five years ago in June of 2017 by Alan Miller. you got to go back five years. 
Okay, and and you'll see why. you got to think about what was going on five years ago. A truck hired by C.H. Robinson to haul freight for Costco struck Miller, causing him to become a quadriplegic. Miller's complaint named the broker as a defendant, claiming it breached its duty to select a competent contractor to transport. Now, Miller argued that C.H. Robinson should have known of the carrier's incompetence because of several red flags. Some included numerous citations for hours of service violations and false logbooks. Now, you remember back in 2017, that was before the ELDs. We were still doing the paper logs. Also, the carrier's percentage of valid service violations was twice the national average. Somebody stole my pen. <laughs> no, well, it is what there is one. Hold on, i got to get my pen. Oh, why is it over there so far? All right. Now, I was kind of uh, pulling for C.H. Robinson until I got to the last part. Hours of service violation and falsified logbooks, that's on the CSA. CSA was around in 2017. CSA came into play in 2010. And, in effect, what the CSA did when it uh, came into play was created a liability issue for not only the broker, but the broker's customer as well. So it doesn't say anything here, but I'm assuming that Costco may be even included somewhere in this lawsuit, but this doesn't concern Costco. This is about C.H. Robinson. C.H. Robinson and due diligence. <clears throat> yeah, if they if if they let hours of service violations, but you know, fly, and you know, back back in the days of the paper logs, yeah, you were going to have some HOS violations. It, it was just it was just going to happen. But falsified logbooks, okay, that's critical. That's major. Now, what really should have got C.H. Robinson's attention was the uh, carrier's percentage of out-of-service violations. It was twice the national average. That alone would be a red flag to most brokers. And I don't know why. It, it could have it, it been something just, hey, you know, they missed it. You know, but, but I was all for C.H. Robinson because I would rather... A broker not be liable for the actions of a carrier. Before the CSA back in 2010, the carrier, it was their responsibility. It was their responsibility to operate their company property legally. And the, the way I saw it, and everybody else too, it was, hey, if the FMCSA allowed them to operate, didn't revoke their authority, well, we all automatically assumed they're 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 okay, but the CSA changed all that. It changed all that. Before before the uh, CS uh, CSA back in 2010. Before that, a broker agent generally was able to make a decision on whether to approve or not approve a carrier. Now we could go back to C.H. Robinson. Did this? Agent for C.H. Robinson, did they load that carrier 
before they got approved. If that's the case, Rutro. If you're a broker agent, if you're a broker agent, you're contracted to a brokerage. You should never, ever give a truck or a carrier load specifics until that carrier has been approved by your broker. Simple. All right? Just for situations like this, if that truck gets loaded and then you find out that they're not going to be approved by the broker, you've got a problem. And more times than not, you're going to be the one responsible for that load because you just loaded an unapproved carrier. Now, I don't know if that's the case with this load. Now, when I say load specifics, you may be thinking, well, well Mike, you know, we got to sell the load. Well, yeah, absolutely. But you don't give them specifics. You don't give them phone numbers. You don't give them addresses. You don't give them company names. You don't give them any anything specific like that until the carrier has been approved by your broker. Now, that takes us into a Q&A. Davis, actually he called earlier in the week. And if you want to call and leave a message uh, with us at Tautoa, that's fine. But understand, as you're not a client, you probably won't get a call back with an answer. But we will put it here. Okay, we will talk about it here on the uh, Q&As on Saturday. Anyway, Davis asked, and understand, we're not, we're not trying to be difficult. It's just we have clients all over the country that pay for our consulting services. And I don't think they'd appreciate it too much <laughs> if we uh, were providing consulting uh, directly for a company for free. You see what I'm getting at? I mean, not trying to be difficult, just common sense stuff. Anyway, Davis. Davis asked if we would recommend using a carrier due diligence service to onboard a carrier. Okay, now, understand that even if you use, and I've looked around, there's, there are services out there, and actually Davis actually uh, used one company uh, as an example, if we would recommend them, well, obviously we're not going to recommend anyone uh, uh, like that, uh, be it the company they asked about or anybody else, uh, for the most part, because, well, when it comes to a carrier due diligence service, what are you actually getting? How does a carrier due diligence service protect you from the liability? because it's still going to come back on you. The buck's going to stop with you, the broker, no matter what the carrier due diligence service says. Now, they may have something in there about providing some type of uh, legal representation or whatever, but when it comes right back down to it, it's going to be on you. And I haven't seen any contracts from any services like this. I've seen their prices, and, uh, yeah, pretty expensive. <laughs> When you're doing a due diligence on a carrier, it's not that difficult. 
there is no guideline that a broker is going to go by as far as legal guideline to follow to make a decision if they want to approve or not approve that carrier. Matter of fact, we've done videos in the past uh, about doing due diligence. But the, the main thing you want to get is, well, main things you want to have on file is obviously going to be uh, the broker-carrier agreement signed by the carrier. <clears throat> You're going to want to, uh, their authority, their insurance, W-9s, things of that nature. And I know people have a habit of using the load board to check out a carrier. They click the MC number on the load board or whatever. And, and all that information is pulling from the FMCSA website. But I always recommend get it from the horse's mouth. Go to SaferSys. You know, go go to, uh, what, what is it, safer.dot.dot.gov, uh, something like that. Anyway, uh, uh, it's easy to find. Just just do a search on Google for F FMCSA, Safer, and uh, SaferWeb, and you'll get the link. There you can enter in the carrier's DOT number, uh, MC number. More times than not, you're going to be entering the MC number. Trucking company with an MC number, they are considered an interstate motor carrier, a trucking company that only has a DOT number, obviously, an interstate carrier. But you can pull up the company snapshot for that carrier. Now, I'm not going to pull up the Safer web, but uh, the company snapshot is going to give you all the information for that carrier. First thing you need to do is check to make sure everything in their general information area matches what you know it should. Okay. Addresses, name of the company, things of that nature. If it doesn't, you need to call the number, the phone number, on the snapshot screen from the FMCSA website for that carrier. That is the phone number that is that is with that MC number. Okay registered with that MC number. You want to call that number. All you're going to do is identify yourself, identify your brokerage, and ask and verify, really. Uh, just verify that they have someone working at their company that is authorized to get loads for their trucks. Now, what I'm getting at, uh, maybe they're in, uh, maybe the trucking company's based in Roanoke, Virginia. Maybe the guy you're talking to, the dispatcher you were talking to, maybe they're you, they were in Atlanta, Georgia. You know, you just want to verify. What you're doing is making sure somebody's not trying to pull any fast ones, and there's all kinds of scams out there anymore. You want to make sure that the trucking company is the one that is uh, actually doing the load, not somebody else, or somebody trying to pull a fast one on you. Next thing you're going to do, or your broker will anyway, is uh, check out their CS, uh, CSA. Seven categories on the CSA. The broker can click on any of those categories to see what kind of violations they've had in the past 24 months. It's, it's going to be uh, uh, posted as far as what the violation was, severity level, things of that nature, as well as uh, out of service violations going to be up there. And it will give you the national average. It will also give you that carrier's average. And I, I, I'm from the school of, okay, if the carrier's out-of-service average is more than the national average, more times than not, I'll pass. Okay. 
And, and the reason I'll pass is just like, uh, well, for the situation that CSA f is finding themselves in. You know, they, they have insurance and things like that. C.H. Uh, uh, Robinson, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, that if, if unless there's more to this story that's not being published, yeah, C.H. C. H. is uh, in a bad place, you know. So, if you, well, I was going to say if you just tuned in, but this is recorded, so rewind. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Davis, your question. Uh, due diligence service it's still going to come back on you now the other thing too is the carrier's insurance they're going to send over an accord most will progressive they they i don't know what they do they send over a copy of the policy or whatever their their uh proof of insurance i don't know i wish they'd start using the accord the accord is just a standard document that uh, most, well, trucking companies, brokers, whoever has insurance will use as proof of insurance, certificate of liability. It's going to have all the coverages they have, expiration dates, effective dates, coverage amounts, things of that nature. You want to check their insurance. Make sure it, it covers your load. And there is something that a lot of brokers are requiring nowadays even our brokerage does that's not required by law but that is a million dollar general liability coverage that's just that extra layer of protection tracking company that has their own customers will already have this in place because their customers require it you never heard about this prior to 2010 before the csa came into play but after the CSA came into play and the liability fell on not only the trucking company but the broker and the shippers the customers it started popping up more and more and more people looking for that extra layer of protection and it, you know you, you can't blame it but anyway what you want to do as the broker you need to call the insurance company in the top left corner of the Accord it's going to show the insurer the producer and it will have their phone number call them request to be added as a certificate holder on that carrier's policy now the uh, insurance company may request that you do that in writing or you know whatever but they're going to want your information your broker's information you know address things of that nature and what they will do is add you as a certificate holder on this carrier's policy now what that does for you what that will do for you is simply anytime there are any changes on that carrier's policy, the insurance companies will automatically notify you so that you can be aware of the changes, be it it cancels the policy uh, coverage changes, it gets renewed, whatever it might be. So that way you can keep the information current in your TMS. And I can't tell you the number of times uh, that I've seen brokers well, generally what's happening, uh, like when the renewal comes up for that accord or that insurance for that carrier, the insurance company sends out an update, a new accord. Well, the carrier gets it, but they don't do anything with it. They trash it or 
pilot or whatever they do, or, or the broker will, what they should be doing is opening up their TMS and updating the information for that carrier. But how many times have you gone to add a carrier to a load that was already set up in your system and you got the window insurance expired? Well, you, if you, if, if you've did the certificate order thing, it wouldn't have been expired. You would have got a notification of renewal. And if it did expire, well, why? Why weren't you notified? You should have been notified somewhere, you know, from the insurance company or somebody. But now, now one thing I do tell my clients, if you get an accord from a trucking company and in the certificate holder area, the box in the bottom left-hand corner of the accord, it already has your broker's information in there. Call the insurance company anyway. Verify. Verify with Photoshop. You can do anything. You can do anything. And people have been known to. So, Davis, I hope that helps you. I hope that answers your question. All right. One of the things we have not talked about today is today's impossible question. And... It was almost like, let's get another one, but it is what it is. Today's impossible question, and if I remember, we'll answer it before we get done today. 20% of people in a recent insurance survey said blank caused them to get into an accident. 20% of people in a recent insurance survey said blank caused them to get into an accident. What was it? Fill in the blank. <laughs> it's not going to be what you thought. I, I, I kind of went, eh. <laughs> A lot of you will, too. All right, what else? Oh, we got the uh, list of top truck stops. Where did I put it? There it is. This is according to Hell Trailer. They've ranked the top 15 truck stops. And I'm just looking at big ones. Looking over some of these. Yeah, I've been to some of them. Number 15, Nobles Restaurant and Truck Stop in Corinth, Kentucky. Number 14, 301 Travel Center, Middletown, Delaware. 13, Chesapeake House Travel Plaza, Cecil County, Maryland. Little America. Little America, Wyoming. Yeah, I've been there. Beckley. Tamarack Travel Plaza in Buckley, West Virginia, Dysart's Truck Stop, Herman, Maine. South of the border. I've been there, too. What is it, Hammer or Hamer, South Carolina? I-40 Travel Center, just about uh, 40 miles down the road from me. Ozark, Arkansas. Jubitz, who hasn't been to Jubitz Travel Center in Portland? Matter of fact, I, uh, back years ago, I hauled a load of Christmas trees. I had a dry van. And I had to go to Jubitz because they sprayed ice on top of the Christmas trees. Number six, Keystone Restaurant and Truck Stop, Loretto, Pennsylvania, Bighorn Travel Center, Fort Worth, Texas. Number five, Busy Bee Travel Center, Live Oak, Florida. Number three, Flynn's Truck Plaza, Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, Kenley 95, Petro, Kenley, North Carolina. And number one, you already know it, <laughs> Iowa 80, Walcott, Iowa. Matter of fact... Ah, uh, where's my... Isn't that Chamboree coming up? Or that, uh, aren't they having something big going on up there here before too long? 
Yeah, July 14th through 16th. Walcott Truckers Jamboree, Walcott, Iowa. Expect that to be at Iowa 80. All right. 20% <laughs> of people in a recent insurance survey said blank caused them to get into an accident. All right. Okay, Q&A. It's Q&A day. We do it every Saturday morning, 9 a.m. Uh, well, the video post, the uh, podcast drops. Unless we're doing a live stream on YouTube, then it will be a live stream. But uh, on this particular Saturday, I'm at the lake. All right, Sarah. She's a new broker agent, and uh, she says she's been making sales calls. She's got one shipper that has told uh, told her they have bulk loads and pay by the CWT. She says she's lost with this. What's CWT? What's a bulk load? How does it work? Could you please explain? Sarah, it's not that difficult. I've done a lot of CWTs, not my favorite, because eh, you can't make a lot of money. Or bulk loads, rather, with CWT. CW, CWT is just carton weight, which is uh, 100 weight per 100 weight. So they're going to be paying X amount of money per 100 weight. So if the truck loaded 48,000 pounds, there would be 480 100 weights. So that'd be a 480 CWT. See what I mean? Now your customer is generally going to tell you what they're paying per 100 weight. And they may say, yeah, it's a bulk load of uh, onions or whatever we're paying 300 or three dollars per CWT. That would be, that would mean that if the truck loaded for forty-eight thousand, there we go, fourteen hundred and forty bucks. If the truck loaded forty-eight thousand dollars, three dollars per CWT, you're going to take three dollars, multiply it by four eighty. That's going to give you the rate. Now, here's the issue, Sarah. You got to be very, very careful with this. Okay. What if the truck only loads 46,000? See, that's going to bring it down a lot of bit, quite a bit. So you always got to let the truck know that their pays are going to be based on the CWT. You never, ever, ever want to tell a truck, yeah, we're going to pay you, we're going to pay 1440. We're going to pay you 1440 to haul this load of whatever it is. Because if that truck goes in there and they, the, the, you know, the farm or, Whoever's loading that truck says, how much? How, how much weight do you want? <laughs> well, the trucking company's not going to say, fill me up, you know. Uh, you know, if, if they take 40000 45000 now you're, you're, you, you're in a pickle. Okay, so. So how do you sell a CWT load and, and without getting in trouble? Well, that's not too difficult, really. You just tell the truck, hey. This is paying, uh, I'm, I'm just using a simple number here, three bucks. Uh, it's a bulk load of whatever it is, onions, potatoes, whatever it might be. Yeah, we're, it's paying $3 per CWT minus your percentage. Seven, eight, nine, ten percent whatever you want to take off the top. Now, back in the day, when I was brokering full-time, working a uh, bulk load like this, you know, you, you got to remember you're competing with other brokers that are working the same customer, working the same load, and generally uh, minus seven percent, eight percent. You know, I'm not even getting the ten percent that I want to get. You know, as a low point because a broker generally needs to make ten percent to be profitable. Bulk loads, though, that that's how it works. Now, usually on a bulk load, the truck will pull in empty, and they'll be weighed. Then they'll get loaded, and they get weighed again. 
and they'll subtract the uh, empty weight from the loaded weight, and that will tell you how much weight they loaded. Then they'll divide that by 100, and that will tell you the CWT. And that's what the uh, pay will be based off of. Now, whenever you're working with a CWT load or a bulk load, the trucking company will need to submit all the required documentation. That's not only going to be the bill of laden, but the weight, the scale tickets as well. Okay, now usually, more times than not, and more times than not, the, the, the uh, farm or wherever they are loading, the bulk load, will have a scale that the truck will weigh on. Uh, they're not going to have to, like, go out, come back, go out, come back. It can, it could happen, but generally speaking, it won't, you know, be a scale right there. So I hope that kind of helps explain bulk loads for you. Okay, Carl, my registration is, uh, as a broker is complete. Fantastic, Carl. I'm, I'm assuming you mean your broker authority has been issued. You've got everything in place. You're, you're good to go. I've got customers and I've got carriers. Well, that's what you need. What is the next step in using the broker license? Is it as simple as letting the customers know and arranging transportation? I appreciate it. Thanks. Well, Carl. My, my, my. Tell you what, we got a video on our website, taltoa.com, T-A-L-T-O-A.com. And, Carl, I'm thinking you probably should have watched this video before you uh, went out here and got your authority, your license to broker. But if you go to the web, uh, our website, taltoa.com, on the home page, scroll down, it's going to say, uh, An Introduction to Becoming a Freight Broker, a Freight Broker Agent, Learn More. That is a link to a webinar we did a couple of years ago. And it really goes into detail about working as a freight broker or freight broker agent. And if you're thinking about entering the industry as a broker or broker agent, yeah, I highly recommend you watch that video. More times than not, you know, if somebody calls me at Taltoa and I'm talking to them, and, and it's obvious, you know, they're, they're just now heading down that road course of trying to figure out how they want to proceed or not really sure the differences and things of that nature how they want to start i always recommend that video uh, simply because it goes into detail the pros and cons about being a freight broker freight broker agent but we will generally always recommend you start out as an agent and carl i can tell you didn't because if you had you wouldn't have this question and i'm not knocking you but i, I get it <clears throat> now is it as simple as letting these customers knowing arranging transportation? Yes and no. Uh, first of all, if you've got customers, they should already know. If you've got carriers, I'm not following what the problem is. Now, I will say this. A lot of times, people will want to become a broker simply because they have a lot of friends that have trucking companies. They're operating their trucks under their own authority. And uh, usually somebody... You know, the owner of whatever friends are these people, they, uh, they they tell that individual, yeah, man, that's what you need to do is get your broker authority. You can broker loads, you know, get loads for me. Okay. Yeah, it, it, if you can, but it, it, understand you're not, you're not going to start brokering tomorrow and start making money next week. It just don't work that way. It's, it's a process. You got to build your business. Uh Letting the customers know, generally speaking, you, you know, I'm, I'm kind of confused here because you said you got customers, so is it as simple as letting customers know? 
And now, now unless you just think you didn't give me a lot of information, enough information, maybe you're a trucking company already. Maybe you got your own authority and you're a carrier. And you added your broker license uh, to, you know, so now you can broker freight as well. Yes, and in a situation like that, if you got your own customers as a carrier, yeah, let your uh, let your customer base know. Just to call them, hey, we got a broker authority. We're able to broker loads now. We're going to be a full-service transportation company. I'm going to send you over my uh, package. We'll get set up, and we'll be good to go. That way, the loads you can't haul for that customer, you can broker to other trucking companies. So that way, you're still able to make money. <clears throat> Matter of fact, that's why carriers should have their broker authority or a way to broker freight. So any freight that their customers may have that they're not able to cover with their own equipment, they can broker to another trucking company and be able to still make money off that load. Because once you say no to a load, that load's gone. It's 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 no way to get it back, no way to make money off that load in the future. Okay. <clears throat> Now, in a situation like this, okay, you say you've also got carriers. Well, this goes back to uh, what we were talking with C.H. Uh, Robinson and Davis earlier about due diligence. You know, you've got to get that carrier set up with your brokerage. Now, you may or may not have done that, but you've really got to, you've, you know, if, that 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 lawsuit with C.H. Robinson, you know that that's got to be a concern to you. You've got to check out the carrier. You've got to do your own due diligence for that carrier to make a decision if you want to use that carrier or not, because that carrier, well, just like it in the case of C.H. Robinson, man, they can send you to the poorhouse pretty quick. So you got to do your due diligence. Is everything in place properly insured? Things of that nature. See what I mean? Generally, what you're, what we recommend doing is starting out as an agent. Now, if you've been thinking about starting as a, you know, you want to be a freight broker, you know, yeah, we're going to tell you start out as a freight broker agent. Matter of fact, on our website, com, we have packages that are available that are designed specifically for a freight broker agent. That's going to be the basic and the standard. Okay, that's where you're going to get your essential training for starting your broker operation. But once you finish your training, you will be able to start your broker operation as a freight broker agent through us in our mentorship program. Because what we're going to do is uh, allow you to start uh, brokering under a licensed broker, our licensed brokerage, uh, Tatoa Logistics. That's going to allow you to begin your broker operation as a freight broker agent, it's going to allow you to start getting that real life, real world experience, allow you to start building a customer base. And we're overseeing everything you do every step of the way. You know, it's basically consulting, like we provide all of our clients consulting with the addition of being able to start your freight uh, broker operation as an agent through us. Okay, you're not going to have you're not going to get out of training and have to go out here and find a company to contract to. And that's going to be tough anyway. Uh simply because you have no experience, no book of business. In our mentorship program, you're able to build that up. And keep in mind too, uh if you wish and you've been active through your whole mentorship program, yeah, you can uh ask to be made a direct agent 
for our logistics side, if you wish. I mean, it's totally up to you. I always get this question, too, is uh, what about my customers I get? Well, those are your customers. And I always get the question, well, what about money? Do I make money? Yeah, you can. You know, you're a freight broker agent. You know, commission in the mentorship program is industry standard, 60% of net. Net is the difference between what the customer paid you and what you paid the truck. It's the profit off the load. Whatever the profit is on the load, you will be able to make 60% of it. But I always tell everybody, understand that in the mentorship program, it's really designed to give you the opportunity to start gaining experience, building a customer base. You've got to have a customer base. Keep that in mind. Anyway, Carl. Carl, I, I, I've done my best to kind of answer your question. But uh, actually, you know, well, the next step is getting out there making sales calls. You can't have too many customers. But I'm kind of getting the feeling, like I said a moment ago, it's, it's almost like you have your own carrier authority. You've just added your broker operation. One thing I will tell you, if you are a trucking company, and you're thinking about getting your own broker authority, that's fine, but you need to set up you need to set it up as its own corporation, its own entity. You want it totally separate from your trucking company. The reason for that simply is liability. If your truck got out of here, got in an accident, and your brokerage was part of the trucking company and your trucking company got sued due to that accident, well, guess what? Your your brokerage is under that same corporate entity. So it's it's open to that lawsuit. Whereas if your brokerage is its own separate entity, it can't be touched. See what I mean? Makes sense? All right. All right, Carl, I hope that helped you out. All right, here we are again. What is, uh, we've done that, we've done that, we've answered the questions. Uh, how are you doing on that impossible question? I know a lot of you are going, uh, you know, about 15 million things went through my head. Uh, 20% of people in a uh, recent insurance survey said that blank caused them to get in an accident. Now, this is not trucking. Uh, if it's trucking, you already know what it's going to be. You know, how, how did you get in that accident? But, uh, and if you want to know, it's, it, you know, the, the biggest excuse for a truck accident or a truck running off the road, a deer ran out in front of me when more times than not the driver fell asleep. All right, your birthday today, uh, well, you're in pretty good company. James Flagg, born on this date back in 1877. Don't ring a bell, does it? We've all seen those I Want You Uncle Sam posters. He's the guy who created it, the recruiting poster. Key Luke, born on this date back in 1904. You may be going now, who is he? Kung Fu. Kung Fu. Remember that TV show back, uh, what was it, 70s, I guess? Master Po. The one that grasshopper. You get the, you get the grasshopper, <laughs> you know, with David Carradine anyway. Lou Brock, born on this day back in 1939. Roger Ebert of Siskel and Ebert, film critics, born on this day back in 1942. Uh, today in history, back in 1812, the War of 1812 began. <laughs> you, you ever watch those YouTube clips where they're interviewing people, kids generally? And uh, 
it never fails. When was the War of 1812 fought? And they, oh, I don't know, 1940-something. Yeah, come on, man. 1873, Susan B. Anthony is fined $100 for attempting to vote in the 1872 presidential election. That is uh, the equivalent of $2,435.80 today. Don't you hate it when people do that? Yeah, that would be the equivalent. Ah, uh, come on, you know. Let me. I always tell people if I put a if I put a twenty dollar bill in a drawer in an envelope in a drawer in nineteen seventy five, and I took that twenty dollar bill out today, it's still only twenty bucks. I, I just don't like it when they do those comparisons. Yeah, money's different. You know, back back in eighteen seventy three, a hundred dollars would buy a, lot, buy a lot more than it would today. This day back in uh, 1928, Amelia Earhart became the first woman to fly across the Atlantic Ocean. That was a flight from Newfoundland to Wales. She did it in 21 hours. All right, what else we got going on? Now, if you, you haven't heard, Dr. Fucci, Fauci, whatever his name is, he is uh, at home. Wrestling, he's got COVID. Americans' retail spending declined in May. Inflation, higher gasoline prices, rising interest rates. We all know this. And uh, <laughs> I thought this was pretty wild. Some babysitters up in New York are getting as much as 70 bucks an hour. $70. And generally, that's going to be tax-free. Sylvester Stallone, Rocky, is going to star in his first ever TV series. It's going to be called Tulsa King. You'll be able to watch it on Paramount+. Plus. I don't know. Did he do a lot of surgeries? I mean, you know, plastic surgery? I don't know. All right. Very good. I think that's going to wrap it up for today. <laughs> don't you? Now nah, we got this. <laughs> Geniuses. <laughs> the, 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 this group of kids would be the ones that said, yeah, the War of 1812 was fought in 1750. A group of teens celebration, uh, celebrating a graduation recently learned a lesson that isn't taught in schools. Doing a burnout in front of a police station is not a good idea. While that should be uh, common sense, the teens learned the hard way as they were arrested, fined, and had their vehicles impounded and then forfeited. That only law, they, they, they didn't just get impounded, but it says they got forfeited. They, Anyway, the burnouts were performed in front of a police uh, police officers, security cameras, and even the police chief himself. Okay, yeah, they got impounded. If they would have been anywhere else, they would have been impounded. But because they were so stupid with no common sense whatsoever to do these burnouts in front of police officers, in front of the police station, with security cameras, and the chief of police right there, they deserve to be forfeited. Anyway, while forfeitures seem like an extreme reaction to burnouts, the police department said that each year reckless and dangerous driving habits account for thousands of injuries and accidents, even fatalities. And that's going to be their official answer, the real answer, because they were idiots. <laughs> if you want to get down to it, they were just off the wall idiots. We'll see. We'll see how that turns out. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they get their cars back eventually, but uh, it is what it is. All right, today's impossible question. 20% of people in a recent insurance survey said blank 
caused them to get in an accident. I know a lot of people said deer uh, jumping out in the road, an animal jumping out in the road, uh, that uh, a squirrel maybe, an animal, dog, pet, uh, texting, answering the phone. They spilled their coffee, spilled their drink, whatever. But those are not right. You know, the, 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 it's 20%, 20%. Now, the other 80 may have had that, but the 20% of, the, I can't believe they even confessed to this, but 20% of people in a recent survey said picking their nose caused them to get into an accident. Oh, well, it is what it is. Hey, go have a good Saturday. We'll talk soon. Have a good Saturday, of course, unless you've made other plans. Take it easy. Thank you.